this is the way that you need to do something. This is the way that you need to load the dishwasher. Okay, well, <laughs> and there's before, no other before way. Before you throw Jay's under the bus, I was going to throw myself under the bus by saying all that right, all right. <laughs> this is one that I have a hard time with, that I'm bad about this one because I just know the right way to do things. Um, wow, look, so- at, look at that. There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating... If you enjoy sucking at communication... And you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships... Broaden your sexual horizons... Develop a better understanding of yourself... Or learn more about non-monogamy... Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multiamory Podcast, we're talking about criticism in relationships. One of the famed four horsemen of the apocalypse from the Gottman Institute, criticism can show up constantly in our romantic relationships. Is there such a thing as good criticism? Can constructive criticism work in relationships? Or is it always a drag, man? We talk about all that and more on today's episode. Oh, I have a question. What? Emily, what? you're the one who researched this episode. Why, why did you want to cover criticism? I I mean, I think it comes up a lot in relationships. I it It really, like... I think it's interesting because I've definitely been accused of being critical at times. But then in the same token, I'm like, but but my partner's critical. Mm. Like they can be critical of me. And I feel like, yeah, my mom was critical of me in my life. But then I also um, have heard people say like, well, but it's important to be critical of your partner and of your friends because that's the only way that they'll grow and Mm. stuff like that. And I'm like, but then you hear like things out there that say that it's basically the worst thing possible for relationships, that it's the, the reason why a lot of like things stem and breed and contempt and other, you know, bad things happen in relationships. So I don't know. I just thought, yeah, this, this is an interesting one to touch on. I wanted to kind of delve deeper into it because I do think that so many people accuse each other of being critical in relationships. Boy, I feel like there's so much to unpack in everything that you just said. I mean, Like the the thought that people would say, oh, well, you should be critical of your partner is fascinating because I think that there is a lot of truth to that. I don't feel like I've heard it stated so explicitly, but I absolutely, mean, I think that's that, how we're taught to think about it. Yeah, that other, maybe not specifically critical, but what is that, that you should always be pushing your partner to improve themselves. Mm. See that? Yeah, that, so that feels a little question, different from just being critical because yeah, like just... I think like cuz I think of like having a critical eye for your relationship sure. and your partner and the people it, that you spend your time with. I think that's a little different from feeling like you should be the one criticized. Yeah, to criticize or to to be the one directly responsible for helping your partner improve. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that to me is right there. That like that it's that it's your responsibility or even that it's good for you to take on the role of being the person pushing them to grow yeah i right it's such a common concept but it is i would argue it's really difficult or slash and not really like 
a feasible or attainable goal to have that that again it needs to come from within and i think maybe mm. there can be like catalysts from partners or or people being like hey like this is something that one should look at but to be critical and like say blanket statements about your partner that can sometimes just breed <clears throat> anger and resentment i think over time so mm. I did I did want to ask and like look at the question of like what is constructive criticism versus destructive criticism because I think that those are two very separate things and that when people talk about like being critical is a good thing they're thinking of well I'm just being constructive I'm trying to help someone but in perhaps in reality they're actually like destroying the relationship by the way that they're talking about it or talking mm. about their partner. So Okay, but first I, I did want to like look up what the hell is criticism. So in the in the good old big old book, the big damn book, that's what Steve Easton used to always say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so okay, destructive criticism is criticism performed with the intention to harm someone, disparage and destroy someone's creation, prestige, reputation, and self esteem. So yes, in other words. I've seen criticism described specifically as like an attack on a partner's character. So it's mm. a critique. Um, but it, okay, there's a difference between like specific criticism and then critiques or complaints, which are more like geared towards incidences or issues, but not specifically addressing like a character flaw. Uh, so some people will label like a complaint as criticism when it actually isn't one which is interesting and it is a good thing. And hopefully we're going to try to like parse out and talk about the difference between both of those because complaints are not specifically geared towards someone's character. And when it can get destructive is when it starts moving in that direction of a character, like assault, I guess. So mm. an example might be a complaint might be like you let me, let me think about how I want to phrase this or how healthier <laughs> constructively well, a I want to phrase this. A okay, yeah, a complaint. A complaint would be something like... Is it specific? Yeah, so, so about specifically like, hey, I'm annoyed because you haven't taken the trash out. Uh, yes, rather than the saying... The last three times that I've asked you to. Rather than the uh, criticism, which would be, you are so lazy. You're lazy. Yes. <laughs> Like right. fucking you are so lazy. Person. You never listen. Uh, you, you never take the trash the out. You never do like, what I need you, you to do. You are a terrible roommate. Whatever. Add infinitum. Yeah. You don't value our household. You. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah all you're, those things. Yeah. You just rely on me to do something. Blah blah Got blah. It. Like okay. Talking about specifically their Got character. It. So yeah. Hopefully that's helpful. Everyone <laughs> took a moment to get there, but here mm-hmm. we are. I think that the the term constructive criticism is interesting because yeah. the fact that that like destructive criticism is a word that I'm only familiar with because of constructive criticism. And it's mm. just like, OK, that's the opposite of that. Whereas I feel like criticism was a thing first. And then someone at some point was like, wait, wait, wait. But maybe there's a way to do this better. Let's call that constructive they constructively criticism. constructively were or, like, hey, maybe we should make a different term for this. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So, but it, but I, I almost want to make the case that criticism by default is kind of this more negative, destructive thing. And that constructive criticism is almost not criticism. It's almost like something else that, that someone had to come up with a term for. Interesting. Um, yeah. 
I don't know if that's helpful at all, but I feel like sometimes we can get into this like, well, is this just criticism or is it destructive criticism? Yeah. And I would say, no, actually kind of the whole thing's maybe not the best. Well, okay. So criticism is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse in relationships. And from the articles that I read, it is almost always the one that like leads to the other three. Mm. So can we go over one more time, like what they are? So criticism and stonewalling, I know they're at like opposite ends. (laughs) Contempt is one. What is the third? Defensiveness slash blaming. Yes. yes. Okay. Which is funny because this talks about also mm-hmm. defensiveness, that there's like a cycle of criticism and defensiveness. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like, this is sort of the, the gateway drug into it. Yeah. Um, and this is so common. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit last week, but it's like, there's this idea that we're either, um, entitled to be more critical of our partners than we are of other people of our romantic partners or that like we're more responsible for their actions than we are for anyone else's um, except for like maybe our children Mm. Um, and so therefore and that's another person that we're taught to be critical of or it's considered normal to be critical of because we're helping them right we're helping them grow we're guiding them in what to do um but often, both with children and with partners, that can lead us down a road that's not helpful, that leads to defensiveness, and can be destructive to the relationship. Like, there's this negative cycle of criticizing, which, you know, like Emily was saying, causes defensiveness. And again, we'll get to that more later. So in a relationship where criticism is really present, it's really hard to feel loved by a partner who's constantly criticizing us. And it's also hard to feel love for that same person who's also constantly criticizing you. And related to what Jace was saying about how for some reason we feel more entitled to criticize our romantic partners rather than our friends, I'm not 100% sure why that is. I mean, I feel like that's probably a combination of holding our romantic partners to this much higher standard for ourselves, and sometimes holding someone to a high standard can be a good thing, there's also the super high standard that we receive from our culture of what a romantic partner should be. Um, I think combined with the fact that like, often you're just more exposed to your romantic partner than your friends, you mm. know, especially if you yeah. live with them, if you're with them almost 24-7, and it's like, yeah, you get to see all their flawed humanity Everything from like their interpersonal issues that they're dealing with in therapy down to like gross, like bodily fluids and sounds to like weird (laughs) annoying habits that they have. It's, it's like, you know, you get, you get exposed to that all the time. And I think that that can make it really easy to almost just kind of like your mind just kind of slowly shifts to this place of being critical of these things rather than being able to brush them Mm -hmm. off if you're constantly exposed to them. Yeah, it's interesting because we've talked about like parents being critical and then us being critical of our romantic partners. And this may be a little Freudian, but it is that idea that like sometimes we act as parents to our partners in various ways, which I don't think that we should. But sometimes people do slip into those habits of doing things like that, especially you know, you you probably don't want to have sex with the person who's scolding you about not taking the trash out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. 
it's a real killer of that intimacy. Well, and totally. Affection. Yeah. yeah. And again, the, that's what these articles and I think the Gottmans really get into and talk about is that it's not sexy to feel criticized by your partner. It's not, um, but it's, but, because then they become your parent almost. But it's also and you get into that defensive yeah. childlike cycle. Well, I was going to argue on the flip side is I think it's also not sexy to feel like when you're in the parent position, like it's also not sexy to oh, feel totally. like my, my partner is a child who needs cleaning up after, or who needs to be told what to do with their life or whatever. Like that's also not very sexy. Yeah. yeah. Like I have kids and, but then also my partner is another one of the kids. Mm-hmm. Like you hear that friggin' yeah. thing out there yeah. in the world. Yeah. 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 So like, okay. Cause I could see some people listening to this and going, yeah, but what do I, but like, but my partner's doing this shit that I sure. can't just sit by and ignore it or have them what, you know, take advantage of me or, or whatever, you know, however it's manifesting. So I feel like it's worth clarifying that, that this episode isn't about like, you can't ever be critical or, or like have constructive there feedback are- or there are better ways in which to do it. Yes. And right. asking for things. I mean, there were much better ways to ask for something rather than just being attacked or attacking your partner's character or making a sweeping generalization about who they are simply because of something that they're not doing for you or for the relationship. So I don't, can we get into potentially like some examples of criticism in our own relationships, like romantic or otherwise? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Cause with my mother, I know there were a couple times, I mean, I said it in the last episode that she said that like, well, you're not a risk taker, maybe because mm. at times I was a little bit more, uh, I don't know, cautious than she was in various things. But for whatever reason, she saw that as like a flaw. I wasn't a risk taker. And so she made like a sweeping generalization about my character. And I still remember that to this day. And it is kind of interesting because I don't think of myself in that way now, but I do have moments of being like, wow, like, did I not take enough risks when I was a kid? Did I, uh, do I not take enough risks now? Things like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of examples from my own life. I feel like, um, it's often like that kind of generalizing into saying like, oh, well, you always never do something. Right. Like, or not even just you always or never, but like, um, uh, you're, you know, you're careless Mm -hmm. because of one time that, you know, you left something out instead of putting it in the fridge or right. Like, or you've done something like that, that it's like easy to go to a judgment of sort of who you are as a person of like, you're careless or you're selfish yeah. Like I know that's one that I've sometimes thought about partners because of some little thing that they do or don't do. And it's like, my mind will go to like, Oh, see my partner's selfish. And like, even for myself, even if I don't say that to them, that's still even destructive to how I'm thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just my mind is a wash. It's a wash <laughs> with, uh, both examples of being on the receiving end of destructive criticism and also on the giving end, you know, I've definitely no stranger to that. Um, I think that we'll get into this a little bit later, but I do see myself as a very critical person and I feel like this is the thing I have to rein in the most in relationships. And I know for myself that like, (laughs) 
I've learned for myself that anytime you statements get trotted out from me, that there's going to be destructive criticism attached to it pretty much 90% Mm, of the time. And so for me, that whole trick of doing the I statements rather than the you statements is really helpful for me to avoid that, maybe less so with other people. Um, But yeah, so that's what I think of on the giving end from me. As far as on the receiving end, yeah, like the stuff that I think about that's the most hurtful is when it's generalizations, you know, when it is like, well, you're just this type of person or you you just don't like to do this kind of thing or you just don't like to, you know, whatever it is, or you really like doing this, you know, like anytime someone kind of makes a generalization about just who you are as a human being, that's the toughest to swallow or hear. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's kind of go through some bullet points here of like what counts as destructive criticism specifically. So I'll start this off is that the tone of how it's delivered is important. Mm-hmm. So if it's a raised voice or like visibly angry or upset or condescending um, in your voice, um, another one would be starting a sentence with you always or you never or you should, kind of like Dedeker was saying, like you statements. I added should in there because of you, though, Jace, because uh, yeah, the yeah, should. You're, oh, yeah, boy. the should. Wait, did someone deliver um, some shoulds on someone else? What's going on? Why did you add it because of no, Jace? just that, that he hates the word should. Mm. I, I just I think it's a it's almost always a problem when it's used. I think it's almost always used for evil and very rarely for good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, even when we use it for ourselves and I do it, I still use it, but I, I try to be more aware and not rely on should. Cause it's like, should carries with it this kind of like a value judgment yeah. of like, you should do this rather than maybe this would be a more skillful way to do this. Or this might be, um, a more advantageous way or a better way. Have you considered trying this way? <laughs> yeah. Right. But that you should, it's like this, there's some outside force mm. kind of forcing you to do this thing. Like, oh, I should be better at this. Oh, I should do this more is just not a helpful way to think for ourselves. And it doesn't foster other people um, doing what it is that we're saying that they should do. Mm, In fact, yeah. it does the opposite. Right. It, it makes them feel shittier and be less likely to do it, I would mm, argue. Mm-hmm. Um, Another clue that it's destructive criticism is, you know, if someone's giving needless insults um, and don't seem, and there doesn't seem to be a way to placate the person, because I think that's the other thing with criticism is that sometimes it can be motivated just by hurting or just by getting like your own angry feelings out. And no matter how much you say of like, oh, okay, well, I'll do this or I'll do that. Or I'm sorry about that, that the person doesn't seem satisfied that that can be a clue that it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, no, this isn't like any kind of productive or constructive conversation. It's just destructive criticism. Um, Yeah. Great example. Hearing from a partner, them giving the caveat of, oh, no offense, but da, 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 or, oh, not to rain on your parade, (laughs) but da, 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 before a comment. Um, Or probably going to be destructive. Or sometimes even don't take this the wrong way, but da, 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 da. Um, Usually. Mm, I mean, I think you are really terrible (laughs) at this. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the purpose of avoiding always and never statements, it's not always the case that if someone who gives those disclaimers <laughs> and caveats that it's going to be destructive. But I know in my experience, usually anytime I hear that kind of disclaimer, I'm always like, "Ugh, okay, here it comes. Um, yeah. And sometimes I've found it's a signal that like the person just doesn't, isn't cognizant of how to give criticism or feedback in a way that's not 
self-destructive, you know, that like maybe mm. they have a legitimate observation, but they don't know how to say it in a nice way. And so they have to give the disclaimer of like, oh, don't take this the wrong way or don't let this hurt your feelings, but yada, yada, yada. At least that's been my experience. I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily representative, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. They should listen to this episode. Well, <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. We're not going to talk about that. Um, so, uh, this, this type of criticism that's destructive is often filled with blame. So it can be something like, well, you're the kind of person who just gets really distracted and, you know, like gets really caught up in new relationships and ignores my needs. And that's why I can never trust you. Like it's your fault that I can't trust Mm. you is because you're this kind of person, you know, um, that I think that it can be, not just picking out something about the other person's character, but can also be a way of shifting the blame onto them for something that's going on, you know, or it could be something like we can't, we like our house is never clean because you're a person who never cleans up after themselves or because you're lazy or whatever, things like that. Yeah. Or you're just a overall a messy person. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is hard to hear probably. Yeah. And to kind of go along with that, again, it's these blanket statements that aren't focused on improvement. They're not focused on like, hey, can we talk about some ways that I can help you clean the house more Mm -hmm. or that we can like come up with a schedule to figure out the chores for the home as opposed to just being like, you're lazy and you suck or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's, I wanted to comment on that because I, I feel like this is something that I see when working with clients so often that there's such a big difference between the conversations where it's uncomfortable and we have to maybe call each other out on some bad behavior on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also focused on like, let's come up with an action plan for how this can be better. Let's come up with things that we both can do to make this better. There's that, like that conversation is so different from the conversation that is just critical and not focused on improvement. That is just like, I'm just going to unload on you all of my years of frustration, or I'm just going to unload on you all the things that disappoint me. And then I just feel hopeless and resigned yeah. and, yeah. and I'm not actually interested in figuring out a way to fix it. Um, like it's just, it's very, very different. Both conversations can be really uncomfortable and can be emotional and can uh, have quite a bit of upheaval in them. But one of them, you know, heads things. It's moving the relationship. Yes. Forward. One of them's actually moving the relationship forward and actually pushing us toward like, okay, but we're on a team regarding these things as opposed to I think the other conversation encourages more of that me versus you dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. And to go along with that, there might be some belittlement or patronizing behavior. And again, it's like focused on the right way to do something. If there is some sort of improvement, you know, message going along with this, it may just be like, this is the way that you need to do something. This is the way that you need to load the dishwasher. Okay. Well, and there's before, no other before way. Before you throw Jay's under the bus, I was going to throw myself under the bus by saying all that right, I'm, right. <laughs> this is one that I have a hard time with, that I'm bad about this one because I just know the right way to do things. Um, wow. Look, so. at, look at that. There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, really though. Sorry. I'm kind of making my fun of myself a little bit, but yeah, that I think that, I definitely carry with me this sense of like, well, I can just figure things out. Like I know the right way to do things. And so this is one I have to always avoid or try to avoid is Mm. reminding myself, like there's many different ways to do things. 
you don't have the best way to do things. It's okay. Let people figure out the way they're going to do it. Like, it's okay. So. Yeah. And that this, so this goes into kind of the next thing here. So, oh, Chase, so those I were... thought for sure you're going to be like, yeah, you're terrible at that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry. You looked, you just seemed very enthusiastic when you're saying that. Yeah. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> Here it comes. Here it comes. Well, well, no, I was just going to say that, that thing of saying this is the right way to do something Mm -hmm. is often a big part of this. And something that is really interesting is that I feel like most often people who tend to go that route with destructive criticism, it's more like this is the right way or you have to do it this way. And Mm -hmm. they might think I'm being constructive. I'm helping Mm them. Um, That the people who tend to do that in my experience tend to be people who consider themselves very smart Mm. or very put together or very skillful, or they just know the right ways to do things or very logical or all these sorts of things. You mean you Dedeker? Yeah. I'm talking about Dedeker. (laughs) Yeah. obviously. Um, (laughs) No, I'm actually talking about lots of people. I'm I'm including myself in this. I've definitely been a perpetrator of this in the past and like friends of mine Mm -hmm. and the funny irony about it, is that these people who consider themselves very intelligent and very logical are being incredibly illogical Mm. by approaching things this way because criticism fails, like that type of criticism fails because it goes fundamentally against these two really important factors about human beings. And that one is it calls for the other person to submit. Mm. And as human beings, we hate submitting to authority, especially authority that feels unilateral and Mm. like unjustified that it's, you know, we're not going along with something because it makes sense, but because we're told this is the right way Mm. or or you should. There's that should again. Um, And then the other one is it devalues us. It devalues our opinion. It devalues our own agency. It devalues our opinions about the way things are done. And as humans, we also hate that. So there is this funny irony of these people who feel like they know how to do things so well are doing this thing very not well, Mm. (laughs) very not skillfully Mm. and very illogically because we're all human beings and they're dealing very illogically with human beings. Very interesting. So I think it's a funny little irony there. Right. So yeah, it's like the idea that like, very good thing to keep even in if mind. you think that you know how to do this particular task better or how to do it well, if you're communicating that on the meta level and not doing it well on the meta level, then you mm-hmm. actually just suck. <laughs> is that, <laughs> is that the logical conclusion? <laughs> okay so but maybe you you're just extreme. not just uh, okay if you're not doing yeah. it well on the meta level then you're just you're not as smart and as skilled as you think that you are right okay. right or perhaps you might have to know how to do one thing right but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. you know how to do everything mm-hmm. right yeah I'm, mm-hmm. um, and then also i think it it and i think we'll talk about this a little bit later too but you also miss out on the opportunity to understand why they do things the way they do it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I like that very much. And I know I've got one friend in mind right now who is very much this mm. of just gets real fixed in his way about what's the right way to do something. And particularly with his partner, but also with friends like me, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll just kind of tell them how this thing should be done or what the right way is to do this thing. And we'll quickly come up with reasons why any alternative solution is not as good. Um, which I think is really missing out on an opportunity to understand things. And then the second part is that sometimes the way that's the most efficient 
isn't necessarily the best. Mm. It's like we conflate this, uh, whatever it is, orderliness or efficiency or quickness or something with goodness. Yeah. And those aren't always the same thing. Yeah. That's so specific and impressive. Like the devaluing thing. (laughs) Dedeker's like having a moment over there. But yeah, yeah. All of those are true. And, and I think ultimately, yeah, when I feel criticized, the feeling of being devalued is the thing that hurts the most. Mm. And that is why I tend to internalize it so much is because I'm like, fuck, like my partner thinks of me, thinks that I, what I have to say and what I do is not of value Mm. because they're Mm. criticizing me in this manner or telling me that what I do is wrong and that really blows. So yeah. something for all y'all out there to think about if if this is something that has happened to you or if this is something that maybe you yourself do. Um, we're going to dive a little bit more into what a critical person looks like right after this break. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So, for all of you out there, some of this uh, this might look like you, or or if you have ever asked yourself, or if you've ever been accused of being a critical person, um, what are what are maybe some things to look out for if somebody is like, you know, I think you're a really critical person, and you're like, no, I'm not, but uh, but if you're actually wondering, like, what does that look like? What does a critical person look like? Then here here are some things maybe to look out for. So number one is. You might be overly critical of yourself, and you might tend to speak to yourself in a demeaning manner, which is really interesting. Yeah. Because even though, again, like outwardly, you might be telling the world, like, I know how to do things right, you may internally be saying... This, I, I screw up. I, yeah, screw I screw up. up. Yeah. I'm not I'm not as, you know, smart as I think I am or as I project to the world, whatever, whatever. Yeah. When, when I was reading this before, like earlier today in, in kind of reading up on this, I read this one and I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jace, you don't have any well fucks to give. <laughs> like, just hold, just hold my beer on this one. Okay. <laughs> entire right. list. Right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, moving along. Uh, in the past, you may have had an overly critical parent. 
You may have felt mm. like you never did anything right in their eyes. I definitely relate to this one. And it's funny because I don't, I don't look at my family as being critical necessarily. Well, maybe this is just, oh gosh, maybe this is my, <laughs> like me being an apologist for my family because the way I always thought of it was like, well, my family just has very high standards. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting that that's how I've changed it in my brain. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can analyze that some other time, but, but yeah, sometimes coming from that kind of background where if you felt like you were constantly receiving criticism from a parent, or if you felt like there was this just really high standard that you can never live up to, sometimes you internalize that and then project that onto the world. I know that I definitely did, you know, that I took like, well, this is just the standard that everyone has to live by. I can't live up to it, but everyone else has to. And so I also kind of in turn pay that forward into the rest of the world. Um, Yeah. I once, I once heard it phrased that it's like, there's this standard that everyone needs to live up to, which, you know, includes all these things like having your shit together all of the time and always being successful and always being thin and like all of these things. And if you can't live up to those, at least have the dignity to be ashamed about it. (laughs) And I think that's very much when I heard that I was like, yeah, like, I think that resonates. You're like, I am, I am. I am so ashamed about it. And Uh, I think that's where it comes from, right? It's like, I acknowledge other people might not live up to these just like I don't, but they better damn well be ashamed of it like I am. Jeez, Jace, you're really dropping the bombs on me today. (laughs) 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 Glad I have this hanky to fan myself with. Uh, This next one, I'm just going to keep on digging my own grave here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's easier for you to find fault with something rather than praise it. Yep. Mm, yep. That's just gonna keep going Great. here. <laughs> um, next one, you might micromanage or be a perfectionist. <laughs> Dunnaker's like, oh boy, <laughs> oh man. The intensity of my fanning is increasing. <laughs> if something isn't done exactly right, then you know, you'll get overly upset about it or only focus on the bad parts rather than seeing where the parts of merit are or what the good parts are. Kind of like we talked about with knowing the right way to do something, mm-hmm. that there might be good attributes of a different way of doing it, that it's just if you're focused on this perfectionist, which to you perfect looks like what you think is the right way, you're not able to see the potential benefits of a different way of doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're easily insulted or offended. Now, that's the only mm-hmm. one I can dig out of my grave a little bit. That's the only one I don't think yeah, you think you're all right. I think I'm all right there. I don't think I'm okay. easily insulted right. or offended. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so something to think about is that you might be harboring hurt feelings or resentment over something and criticism might just be the first place that you go to because you're having a really hard time getting over that hurt. Mm. And I think this can happen a lot in relationships. Like, I mean, honestly, if people have uh, a relationship that they choose to stay in where one partner cheats and then there's criticism constantly over that or over like well i i don't know if i can trust you or it always goes back to that because you're still like harboring this resentment and hurt which is understandable but then it kind of perpetually becomes the thing that is causing a lot of criticism to be like doled out or criticism over other things yeah. because I still need to get back at this person for how hurt I was over this other thing. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that's something 
absolutely to think about in your relationship. Like, why do I keep being so critical of my partner? Mm. What is the underlying cause here? Yeah, that's Um, interesting. Yeah. And then finally, if others tell you that you're a critical person, you might be. (laughs) Maybe listen to them. (laughs) Or if you tell other people that you're a critical person, which a lot of people do. For me. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, well, I'm... I'm just pretty critical. Like, I'm not going to lie. Well, the, the Cosmo right. quiz on whether or not you're a critical person has ruled. <laughs> and it doesn't look good for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, okay. And in when we talk about defensiveness, mm-hmm. that's the one that I am. So oh, I'm okay. defensive and I'm also really mopey. And mm-hmm. as my partner might say, I get in a victim-y place. So all of those things are something that, yeah that I know that I'm bad at. So I may not be very critical, but I definitely am those other yeah. things. So uh, criticism can definitely go both ways. It isn't always just one person who's a critical one and the other person who's defensive or whatever. Um, there are some instances where either partner can get into a pattern of criticizing the other um, and then the other person gets defensive and then vice versa. Or, I know, um, gosh, one I really had to train myself out of, and I like to believe I'm getting better at this, but a pattern I saw a lot growing up was kind of the whataboutism criticism. The like... Isn't that a, a, a logical fallacy? Uh, yeah. Logic lady? Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> but this idea of like, well, I criticize this thing about you, and then the other person mm. comes back with like, well, what about this thing about you that's also worthy of criticism. Mm, yeah. Um, that, right. God, yeah, that, that was really present in my family growing up and definitely really present in pretty much most of my early adult relationships. Um, and, uh, yeah, something that I'm trying to get better at, but criticism is a thing that it's like, like not only is criticism itself, not very productive. Um, it also generates defensiveness, which is also not very productive. And we can just kind of end up in this cycle of one person criticizing the other, defending, and then back and forth, back and forth, and then nothing actually gets resolved. Like no one actually gets what they want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ironic because I think a lot of us tend to come to criticism thinking it's because I want it to be a certain way Mm. and I want to get what I want. So I'm going to say this, you know, and we'll sometimes have good intentions, but what we actually end up doing is criticizing which fosters defensiveness doesn't get us what we want and hurts our partner and perpetuates this cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So I think an example that I've seen that I've lived and also seen a lot with my clients is something where it's like person a comes to person B and is like, Hey, uh, like you don't prioritize spending time with me. And then person B gets defensive is like, what are you talking about? Like I blocked out all this time last week that we spent together, you know, like, what are you talking about? And then even, even if that interaction doesn't go any further and no one says anything else, it's like, no one's still gotten what they wanted. Like person A hasn't gotten feeling like person B prioritizes their time together. And person B hasn't gotten feeling like person A acknowledges the time that they do spend together. Um, So it really is kind of like a weird zero sum cycle where it's like no one really comes out ahead. Yeah, it's interesting in both of those scenarios where I think that so often people just want to be heard and understood. Mm-hmm. And like it, person A in that scenario is like, I, I feel like you don't value our time together. And when they're really, they want to be heard because they feel uh, lonely 
or mm-hmm. as, as though their partner m- maybe is more excited about, you know, someone new that they're dating, for example. And person B wants to be acknowledged with all of the time that they are giving to person A, and they want to be understood for that. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're going to get into this next is that there are ways in which to like fight better and to actually ask for what you need and try to have the ability to give your partner what they need in those moments. But even like just assessing those things for yourself, like why am I being critical here is potentially, it's really difficult for some people. Yeah, definitely. Well, shall we get into this list here? Sure. How to, how to improve our, criticism make it constructive make it more um also maybe let go of some of the need to be right and instead focus on getting what we actually want Mm -hmm. and what we need as opposed to just punishing someone for not giving it to us so So number one hang on this is a list we got from somewhere right yeah from psychcentral.com i've also we've added a little bit We've also added a little bit to it, so yeah, you won't get this list one hundred percent from them. No, but they, yeah, they just have some of this. It's uh, they have six easy ways to stop criticizing and improve your relationships. But we had a, added a seventh or an eighth thing. I think a seventh thing. Yeah, yeah a seventh thing. So okay, do okay. a couple of them. That multi amory special sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So dabble do ya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the first thing is to be realistic. So <laughs> I put yours in your side. Sorry. sorry. I hate this, Emily. <laughs> what? I I mean Okay, okay. okay. hang on. I'm just gonna preempt it by say by yeah. saying what a positive thing it is that really the only criticism we have of you <laughs> is that you're so critical about loading the dishwasher correctly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Great. Great. <laughs> so if your partner always loads the dishwasher, quote, incorrectly. <laughs> realistically, they might never stop doing that. Maybe you just have a sense for dishwasher loading that other people don't have. You do. You're, a te- you're the Tetris king. <laughs> right. Maybe you just, you just fundamentally understand <laughs> dishwasher loading in a way that other people don't. So be realistic to understand that like, they may never load it the way that you would. However... There's things you could do about it. You could choose to just be the one who loads it and instead ask for support setting the dishes up or rinsing them or doing something so then you can load it or just get over it and not worry so much about how the dishwasher is loaded. What's funny is this issue has actually been a point of contention between myself and my roommate who thinks that he knows the right way <laughs> oh, to load dishwashers. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yikes. So, so do you yeah. both like mm, trouble and really upset at each other over this? Well, and what's funny is what I realized eventually after getting pissed off at him a few times and us arguing about it was realizing that the, the metric that each of us were using for what's correct is different. Mm. And uh, that's. Oh, what? It, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That just sort of our whole philosophy about cleaning and dishwasher loading and stuff, we just have different things that we value. And I think that's something that kind of what I was talking about earlier of if you're just asserting, I know the right way rather than understanding and valuing a different way to do something is that you might just have different things that to you are the qualities worth 
achieving well in dishwasher loading for. or cleanliness i did order. recently learn that like your family of origin has particular standards around dishwasher loading as well and when i learned yeah, that i was brought up with yes this. when i learned that i was like oh <laughs> it makes so much more sense <laughs> yeah that does make sense <laughs> yes. but, but dedeker yes. you also know like you know what i'm just gonna leave it <laughs> leave it to y'all <laughs> i'm assuming because mm-hmm. that's what i would do ultimately yeah right um but what I'm trying to get at though, through my experience <laughs> with my roommate is, um, is understanding that first of all, that just that like there could be different criteria for determining what's good, like what mm-hmm. makes a way of doing something good. Um, and that we don't have to have the same ones necessarily. However, you're going to get along better if you're able to at least respect each other's metrics for goodness Perhaps that means that you can find a compromise or perhaps it means we agree to disagree, but I can at least acknowledge that you're, you have a way of doing something and you haven't died yet. So clearly it's, it works to a certain level and maybe that's okay. Mm. Right. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's acceptable. That's a metric if you haven't died yet. (laughs) Yeah. You haven't died from loading the dishwasher yet. So it's okay. It's worked out. Um, and then, and then that goes into this next one, which is respecting their autonomy. And that's, um, something that, gosh, which episode was this where we were talking about, um, uh, gosh, it was a few weeks ago where we were talking about, um, public health messaging. Oh, right. And that, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like about, ads that are like anti-smoking rules or something. and agreements featuring boundaries. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. That respecting someone's autonomy means putting that caveat of like, you can do this however you want, right? Like I might have some suggestions, but I also, you don't have to do it my way. Yeah. And that that actually will make someone more willing to, you know, want to do it in a way that pleases you. Because again, they're not submitting to the one way to do it. Yeah. It's like you give them a way so that they can win Mm -hmm. by feeling like I'm doing something good for my partner and you get to win by getting what you want. As opposed to... So you're to, manipulating... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, right. As opposed to the other way, which is I'm going to make you lose yeah. by feeling criticized and having to submit to me. Mm-hmm. And I lose by either having an unhappy partner or not getting what I want or more likely both. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is going to be look for the positives. I think this is really important. Mm-hmm. If you see something that your partner does well, you should tell them so. And you should tell them often, uh, especially if you are erasing a negative interaction. So, okay, there. Wh- what was this that you found, Dedeker? So successful relationships yes. have a 20 to 1 positive to negative interaction ratio? Yeah, that's on like an everyday basis that for every one negative interaction you have with your partner, a healthy relationship has 20 positive interactions. That's the ideal, right? Well, that's what the, that's or, what they found then, successful relationships had. It wasn't. It wasn't like okay. we created this ideal. It was the Gottman studied healthy relationships and successful relationships and found this was the ratio of positive to negative interactions. But right. if you're in a fight or a conflict, then you need to have at least five positive interactions to one negative interaction. Mm-hmm. That's just in the midst of a fight or conflict. Yeah, I think as you're hashing something right. out. You know that I say. that for every one eye roll, there's 
five, let's say, times where you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. I totally understand that. Or like, oh, thank you for being willing to talk about this. Or hey, let's try to come to, you know, you get what I mean, that it's like, there's ways to have still positive interactions, even when you're in the midst of a disagreement or a fight. Yeah. And again, this can sort of like flip the narrative of what is happening here within critical thinking is that instead of being if constantly saying and talking about the things that your partner is doing wrong, instead switch that and flip that on its head and try to find the things that your partner is doing mm-hmm. correctly or that you're happy about or that they're, you know, making strides even to give you what you need and what you want. Cause I think, yeah, yeah. that it, then instead of like constantly being critical and constantly saying all of the negatives, which is as we learned earlier, what critical people tend to do. Um, you're instead, yeah, showing your partner that you you can see their work, the work involved in you know making you happy. Mm-hmm. I, I've even found sometimes if I've had a, a criticism or something that I want my partner to change, and I'll and I'll be upset about something and I'll go into it and I'll think, okay, like I do want to acknowledge what they have done, and I'll mm-hmm. kind of start by saying, you know. Like, I actually really, I'm upset about this thing. I do really appreciate that that you do this and that you do this other thing. And sometimes even like by the time I get through a few of those things, I'm sort of like, okay, actually the thing I'm upset about isn't that big a deal. Mm, it still would be great if you would do this or not do this. But it's like, even for myself, it's That's like great. acknowledging the positive things that they do. It's like, okay, actually that is pretty good. We're actually, we're doing pretty good now that yeah. I think about it. I talked yeah. myself out of I like it. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another thing is to not take your partner's behavior personally. So try to assume that your partner has the best of intentions when they do something that annoys you. Um, or if they you're on the same don't team. do something that annoys you. I mean, don't do something and the not doing of it annoys you. Um, or they screw right. up in yeah. some other matter. Because there can be a multitude of reasons why something happens. Um, I think I've shared on podcasts in the past that you know, my critical nature tends to come out in this, in like holding people to this high standard of like, if I ask you to do something once, you're going to remember it and there's no excuses to forget. Um, or if I make a request once, Mm. you're going to remember to do it and you're going to do it right away. And there's no excuses to not, um, like that's the standard. I that's kind of been baked into my cake as it were. Um, and, um, <laughs> the Dedeker cake. and so that means I think, yeah, I shared this example last time that it's like, if a partner comes home and I'm like, Oh, did you get this thing from the store that I asked you to? And they're like, Oh dang, I forgot. Um, that it's really hard for me to not feel like, Oh, that was about me. Like, Oh, they just don't care about me. They don't care about my needs or they're, uh, you know, they're not organized enough or they're not put together enough. Or like, it's really easy to make it about me when it's like, you know, if I just put myself in that situation where I'm like, it's so easy to just forget to just be like, Oh, whatever, got caught up at work, or Oh, like, didn't write it down. Or Oh, like, you know, it's it's like such a normal thing. And so anything that you can do to kind of remind yourself not to take this behavior personally, um, is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Next one here is take a moment and consider whether something actually needs to be said at all. So try calming yourself down and reevaluating. Do I need to speak up about this right now while I'm annoyed? Halt. Halt. Yes. Do a little (laughs) mini halt for yourself. Evaluate. Is this something I need to bring up right now? Is this something that we could maybe talk about later? Maybe I should write it down and remember to talk about it at our next radar or whenever we have a moment where we're talking about things. 
or is it maybe not something I need to bring up at all? And it could be any of those. And, and that doesn't mean like one of those is the right answer, but just take that moment and evaluate it. Um, in, in Buddhism, there's this three questions, uh, the, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Mm. Um, I think sometimes the, is it necessary is always a tricky one to answer, but it's at least kind of a starting place of, of asking those questions. Like, is this true or am I just upset? Is it kind? Is there a way to do this? That's kind. Um, and is it really necessary? Um, yeah. and I think that's, those are great, very valuable questions to ask yourself. Yeah. So the big one, one of the big ones here is to learn to ask directly and respectfully for what you want. So, okay. Let your partner know why you would appreciate it if they did something, why it is important to you if they stopped doing something. And instead of like, Calling out their character flaws, which is a thing that I think turns constructive criticism into destructive criticism. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like let them know what you want. So also like move away from stating things as absolute truths, such as this is the right or the wrong way to do something or you should do it this way. But instead say things like I it's really important to me um, that the house be you know, a really uh, tranquil and clean and lovely place for us to live in. How can we figure out a way to make it that for both of us? Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that's truly important to me. Can we figure out a way to do that? Mm -hmm. And this last one, this is a huge one for me, and that's to manage your own anxiety and stress, or at least be aware of your own anxiety and stress level. Sometimes critical feelings toward your partner can come up um, when it's actually about you. You may have something that's going Mm. on. You may be feeling tired. You may be feeling overworked. You may be feeling anxious about something. I know for myself, I've learned that like the level or sorry, the amount of alone time that I'm getting directly corresponds to how kind and compassionate and gracious I'm able to be with my partners. Um, that like the Mm. less alone time I'm getting, it's not even about like just me spending time with one partner, too much time with one partner means I become critical of them or something like that. It's more of just, if I'm not getting enough alone time in general, even if I'm not spending all my time around that partner, then I'm much more likely to get annoyed and be anxious and be stressed out. And that manifests sometimes in being critical or being harmful toward my partner. So that's something to bear in mind too, is like, make sure that you're getting enough of the things that you need, whether that's alone time like me, or it's decompression time or enough sleep or, um, you know, enough restorative time like meditation or yoga or, or exercise or therapy, you know, really check in and make sure that you yourself are taking care of yourself and getting what it is that you need, because that can really affect the way that you are with your partners. I've definitely found like, especially the things that I thought were deal breakers to me, like things like a certain level of cleanliness or organization, that if I'm relaxed and I'm not overworked and I'm feeling pretty good about life and feeling pretty good in my body, that like I'm much better able to like, oh, the trash hasn't been taken out yet. Okay, whatever. Like we'll get around to it. To be we'll figure it out. It. Yeah. You know, like, oh, dishes yeah. haven't been done yet. Oh, it's okay. Like we got time. We can do it. Um, not that everything falls apart, but it's just it's much more I'm much more able to be more gracious about and generous about these things if I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that one that also for myself, it helps me to 
kind of gain some perspective on what are things that this partner or roommate or someone does do that I don't, that I really appreciate that it kind of helps it for me. Like, like with the cleanliness thing is an example for me that during times when I'm not feeling as overworked, which does tend to lead to me being a little less tidy and a little less clean, like leaving dishes in the sink or something like that, that when I'm in that state and then my roommates do it, it just drives me fucking crazy because they're much worse than I am. Yeah. But you know, it's like, but then other times where I have a little more time, I'm a little more collected. Mm. It, it like actually brings me a little bit of joy to clean up the dishes. Cause there's that satisfaction of like, I did it. Mm. I don't want to do all their dishes, but if there's a few out and I kind of can maintain this like base level, I feel a lot better. I'm less critical of them and am able to appreciate more of the positive things. So that's something I've noticed for myself at least. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And if you were on the other side of all these things, if you are getting criticism from your partner, from a friend, uh, there are better or worse ways to handle that criticism and better or worse ways to learn how to like, maybe not take it so personally. Uh, maybe uh, figure out a way to be constructive in you know, how you both can move forward and get the things that you want. So we're going to talk about that in the bonus episode. Um, and if you want to get a load of that, then become a patron of ours. Um, in addition, we really want to hear about critical things in your life. <laughs> if you are a critical person, if maybe you have uh, felt criticism from your partner, if the two of you have sort of moved past that, how you have done so, we want to hear about all of that. So the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Jace Lindgren, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.